0: True followers of Christ are never half-hearted. His real disciples embrace God's Word and all it teaches. You'll not become the pure bride of Christ by flirting with the Gospel. You must listen, believe, and live out the Word of God. Welcome to Every Last Word, a radio and Internet program with Dr. Philip Ryken, teaching the whole Bible to change your whole life. We're in a verse-by-verse study of the book of Jeremiah. Over recent weeks, we've been building on the theme of promise and deliverance. Today, we'll learn the difference between real faith and false religion. Well, Phil, today's message is entitled, uh, with a question mark, Benedict Jeremiah, kind of conjures up images of our nation's own Benedict Arnold. I'm wondering how believers might avoid falling into the same trap and instead maintain allegiance to their king of kings.
1: Well, Mark, the uh, question mark is important in the title because, of course, far from being a traitor, Jeremiah was one of the truest patriots to the cause of God. In fact, I don't think you could find a truer patriot to the high king anywhere in Scripture. And I think he does show us how we can maintain our own allegiance because here is a man who was willing to stand up for God and for what is right, no matter what the consequences were. And it's because of the faith that he had in the word of God.
0: But indeed, there is a traitor to be found in the passage, is there not? And who is it?
1: Well, there is a traitor in this passage. It's someone we've met before, but get to know a little bit better in Jeremiah 37. It's King Zedekiah. And here is a man who would not listen to God's word, who would not pray to God for help, and who in the end refused to be saved. And I think those are good tests, aren't they, of our own allegiance to God's cause in the world. Are we willing to listen to what God has said in his word? Are we willing to show our neediness and our dependency upon the grace of God by coming to him in prayer? And will we humble ourselves and ask for Jesus to give us a salvation we cannot produce from ourselves? That's what it means really to be a patriot to the cause of God. It's to come to Him in submission.
0: All right. Thank you, Phil. We're in Jeremiah 37, where you can turn now to listen to God's word for us today.
1: I suppose that the most famous traitor in the history of the United States was Benedict Arnold. And like Many, I suppose all, traitors, Arnold began his career as a patriot. He joined the Revolutionary Army in 1775, and he led several successful military campaigns. He helped Ethan Allen and the Green Mountain Boys win the Battle of the Fort Ticonderoga. He became one of General Washington's most trusted generals. He was twice wounded in battle and became acclaimed as a hero. Yet when Benedict Arnold failed to win promotion to Major General, a promotion that he was certain he deserved, he became discouraged, and then he was accused of personal misconduct. And although he was cleared by a court-martial, he was very angry about the way he had been treated, and he began to plot revenge. And after a year and a half of secret correspondence, he found a way to betray his country, He would hand over the fortress at West Point, which was then under his command to the British. But then some of his letters were intercepted, and the conspiracy was uncovered, and Benedict Arnold was disgraced forever. His very name became synonymous with treason. Now, Jeremiah was accused of a similar act of treason, During a brief ceasefire between the Babylonians and the Jews, the prophet tried to slip out of Jerusalem unnoticed. He was captured, arrested, beaten, and then imprisoned. Jeremiah was no Benedict Arnold. He was a true patriot to God's cause and for God's people. If there is a traitor in this chapter, I suppose it must be King Zedekiah. Zedekiah pretended to be true to God's people, and yet he displays three characteristics of a spiritual traitor. First, he does not listen to God's word. Verse 2, neither he nor his attendants nor the people of the land paid any attention to the words that the Lord had spoken through Jeremiah the prophet. Now, in our studies in Jeremiah, we have discovered that the Bible contains pages and pages of the prophecies of the prophet Jeremiah. Jeremiah. And yet Zedekiah ignored every last one of them, and so did his people. The kingdom reflected the spiritual apathy of its king. If Zedekiah wasn't going to listen to God's Word, no one else was either. And thus, the whole nation of Judah lived in spiritual ignorance, ignorance of the will of God. And I suppose that much the same thing could be said of our own nation, At the dawn of a new millennium, the citizens of the United States do not know their Bibles. Church is just about the only place that you can hear the Word of God anymore. People rarely hear the Word of God on the street or in the marketplace or in school or especially on television. Thus, the whole worldview of our culture is being constructed with little or no input from the only reliable source for understanding the world. This famine of the hearing of the Word of God extends even to the church, where Bible reading and Bible exposition are among the first things to go in the quest for contemporary worship. So I suppose that King Zedekiah stands as a politician for our times. He had only a passing interest in the Word of God. Oh, there were rare occasions when he wanted to hear what God had to say, from time to time he wondered secretly if perhaps what Jeremiah was saying was actually true. So, for example, in verse 17, after Jeremiah had been languishing in the dungeon, Zedekiah sent for him and had him brought to the palace where he asked him privately, is there any word from the Lord? He could not quite get Jeremiah out of his system. Well, although Zedekiah may have flirted with the Word of God from time to time, he never obeyed it. Whenever Jeremiah came to prophesy, it was in one ear and out the other. Zedekiah was the kind of man who goes to church every now and then, but he never does anything about it one time that Zedekiah actually listened to the Word of God and freed all of the slaves in Jerusalem, he changed his mind a few days later and sent them right back into captivity. Well, those are the actions of a traitor, someone who changes sides midway through the battle. And people who only take a passing interest in the Bible cannot be patriots in the Lord's army. They have divided loyalties. So they are actually traitors. They are like King Herod, who put John the Baptist in prison, and the Bible says that Herod feared John and protected him, knowing him to be a righteous and holy man. When Herod heard John, he was greatly puzzled, yet he liked to listen to him. The Apostle Paul met the same kind of man in Caesarea. The governor Felix sent for Paul, who was in prison, and listened to him as he spoke about faith in Jesus Christ. As Paul discoursed on righteousness and self-control and the judgment to come, Felix was afraid and said, that's enough for now. You may leave. When I find it convenient, I will send for you. Like Herod, and like Felix, Zedekiah enjoyed dabbling in religion. He liked to call for the minister when it was convenient. He enjoyed hearing what he had to say, he liked discussing religious matters, but As soon as the prophet started to press his message to the point of personal faith and repentance, he refused to listen any longer. How many presidents of the United States in our times have taken a similar approach to the Bible? They invite evangelical ministers to the White House and they speak rather vaguely about their faith in God, but we look in vain for signs of genuine repentance and faith in Jesus Christ. And then how many churchgoers are just as wishy-washy when it comes to Scripture? They half-heartedly read their Bibles and they half-pay attention to the preaching of the Word, but their hearts and their minds remain unchanged. Well, you will not become the pure bride of Christ by flirting with the gospel. You must listen and believe the Word of God as it is preached and as it is read from Scripture. And if you claim to be a Christian, then failure to study and obey the Bible is nothing short of treason. Well, the second thing Zedekiah, this traitor, refuses to do is pray. He cannot pray. He doesn't have a relationship with the living God, so he cannot speak to God about his troubles. And access to the King of Kings is only granted to patriots, not to traitors. It's true that although Zedekiah was not a man of prayer, he almost believed in the power of prayer. When he was really in a jam, he liked to cover his bases. And so he asked people like Jeremiah, people who actually had a living relationship with God, to intercede for him. King Zedekiah, and we read this in verse 3, sent Jehukal and some others to the prophet with this message, please pray to the Lord our God for us. Well, if it was really the Lord his God, he would have been able to pray himself. You see, like most spiritual traders, Edekiah only half believed in the efficacy of prayer. How ironic it is that after all the times that Jeremiah has been ignored and abused, that the king should ask him to pray. And yet this often happens, as we know from our own experience. A colleague who mocks Christianity will come up and say with a sort of chuckle, send up a little prayer for me. Or the neighbor who will never come to church will ask for prayer during a family crisis. Inability to pray for oneself is a sign of desperate spiritual weakness. And yet those who pray should not look down on those who do not and cannot. Instead, they should offer to pray with and for them as often as possible. When a colleague is under stress, mention that you are praying for him. When a neighbor comes to you with some problem, ask if you might pray together. When a family member prays in the middle of a crisis, say, why don't we have a prayer about that right now? Even most unbelievers find comfort in prayer. Because prayer is a spiritual activity, it opens a door for the Holy Spirit to begin to work in a person's life. And then what about the person who does not know how to pray? There may be someone like that here tonight, someone who hardly knows how to begin to talk to God. How should one begin? Well, you can simply begin by saying, God, I don't even know how to pray, but here goes. You can say, God, help me. Have mercy on me, a sinner. Ask God to forgive your sins for Jesus' sake. Say whatever it is on your heart to say. God is the most patient of listeners. He already knows what you need and is patient to listen as you explain it. And you will find that your prayers will improve with practice. The more one prays, most often the better one prays. Well, Zedekiah didn't know how to pray, nor was he willing to listen to the word of God. And as a result, and this is the third characteristic of a traitor, he will not be saved. All of his hopes of escaping divine judgment will turn out to be false. Salvation, the salvation that God offers is only for patriots. It is not for traitors. Now, Zedekiah thought that he would be saved. He was hoping for the best. He had just won an unexpected military victory. The Babylonians had been besieging Jerusalem for months. F.B. Meyer describes how every day the air was full of the cries of the combatants, the heavy thud of the battering rams against the walls, and the cries of wounded men borne from the ramparts to the tendons of women. But suddenly... In the late spring or early summer of the year 588, Pharaoh's army had marched out of Egypt, and when the Babylonians who were besieging Jerusalem heard the report about them, they withdrew from Jerusalem. And so the siege was lifted, and the whole city breathed a huge sigh of relief, but not so fast. The relief was only temporary, and God sent Jeremiah back to Zedekiah with a most discouraging prophecy. Tell the king of Judah, Pharaoh's army, which is marched out to support you, will go back to its own land, to Egypt, and then the Babylonians will return and attack this city. They will capture it and burn it down. Don't deceive yourselves, thinking the Babylonians will surely leave us. They will not, even if you were to defeat the entire Babylonian army, And only wounded men were left in their tents. They would come out and burn this city down. You see, all Zedekiah's hopes of salvation will turn out to be false. By the power of God, even an army of wounded, straggling Babylonians would outmatch Judah. Of course, this is an exaggeration to make a spiritual point. The point is that God will certainly punish the people of Judah for their sins. Well, the more Zedekiah thought about that prophecy, the more he wondered what would become of him. He was so worried that he sent for Jeremiah, and as we have said, he asked, is there any word from the Lord? Well, his simple question received a straightforward answer. Yes, Jeremiah replied, you will be handed over to the king of Babylon. You see, Zedekiah was not on the Lord's side. He would not believe God's Word. He would not pray for God's help, and therefore he had no help of salvation. All his hopes would prove to be false. And of course, the same thing is true of everyone who refuses to come to God through Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is appointed as the Savior of the world. Anyone who does not believe the gospel or pray for forgiveness of sins through Jesus Christ Is nothing less than a traitor, and traitors will never be saved. Well, there is another choice, of course. One need not be a traitor. One can become a patriot, and that is what Jeremiah was. He was God's patriot. But it is easy to see why his enemies thought he was a traitor. For one thing, it had been years, it seemed like, since Jeremiah had had one good thing to say about the city of Jerusalem. And for another thing, he always disagreed with conventional political wisdom. You see, the leaders were in favor of normalizing their relationship with Egypt. In fact, there is an ancient text, one of the Lachish letters, which refers to a Judean diplomat who went down to Egypt to ask for help fighting the Babylonians. And yet Jeremiah alone was telling people not to trust in Egypt, nor was this prophecy about being defeated by wounded enemies exactly a boost for morale in the city. Jeremiah even told the Jews on more than one occasion that they ought to surrender to the Babylonians. so the officials had always suspected that Jeremiah was a Babylonian sympathizer. And now they had their proof. During a break in the hostilities, the prophet tried to leave Jerusalem. He started to leave the city to go to the territory of Benjamin to get his share of the property among the people there. When he reached the Benjamin Gate, the captain of the guard, whose name was Erijah, arrested him and said, you are deserting to the Babylonians, verses 11 through 13. Now, Jeremiah had good reason to leave the city. He needed to take care of some personal business. Most likely, he was going to discuss his family estate, including... It is likely that field which his cousin Hanamel was proposing to sell to him, and you can read about that in chapter 32. It wasn't until later that Jeremiah actually bought the field. Well, whatever he intended to do, Jeremiah ran into trouble at checkpoint Benjamin. The head of security misunderstood his intentions, and he recognized him and accused him of desertion and then arrested him for treason. That's not true! Jeremiah said, I am not deserting to the Babylonians. Not only was this charge false, it was outrageous. It was an insult. There was not a man in the entire city who had been more faithful to the people of God than Jeremiah. For 40 years he had pleaded with them to turn away from their sins and to turn back to God. For 40 years he had wept over their sins I wonder if a man has ever cared more deeply for the spiritual condition of a nation than Jeremiah cared for the spiritual destiny of his own people. His motto for ministry, as we read it in chapter 8, verse 21, was, since my people are crushed, I am crushed. To charge such a patriot with treason, is an injustice. And then to subject him to police brutality is an inhumanity. Elijah would not listen to him. Instead, he arrested Jeremiah and brought him to the officials. They were angry and had him beaten and imprisoned. Jeremiah was put into a vaulted cell in a dungeon where he remained for a long time. Zedekiah's secret service had set up a sort of prison at the home of the Secretary of State, and they took Jeremiah there, and then they lowered him into a dungeon, most likely a cistern. One scholar says that narrow at the top, such cisterns usually opened out into a bottle-shaped cavity in which water was stored. They were rather like the bottle dungeons that you find in old castles, and they could serve the same purpose. Their prisoners could be left to rot to go mad or to die which is what Jeremiah's enemies did in the next chapter. Now these sufferings the sufferings of Jeremiah like all the sufferings of all the prophets of the Old Testament are intended to teach us about the Messiah about the suffering servant. You may remember that when Stephen preached to the Sanhedrin he told them that they were just like the officials who tried to kill Jeremiah. You stiff-necked people, he said. You are just like your fathers. You always resist the Holy Spirit, which is exactly what Zedekiah did. Was there ever a prophet your fathers did not persecute? They even killed those who predicted the coming of the righteous one, and now you have betrayed and murdered him, that is to say, the Lord Jesus Christ. And so it is that the sufferings of Jeremiah are a type or a picture of the sufferings and death of Jesus Christ. Like Jeremiah, Jesus was tortured for his teaching. Like Jeremiah, he was considered an enemy of God's people. And yet, like Jeremiah, Jesus was no traitor. Jesus and Jeremiah both proved that they were patriots to God's cause by remaining true to the very end. The Oxford English Dictionary defines patriot as a person who is devoted to and ready to support or defend his or her country. I wonder if that definition is strong enough. A true patriot is willing not only to support and defend, but also to suffer and to die for his people. And that is why I say that Jeremiah, like the Lord Jesus Christ was a patriot. He remained true to God's Word even when his life was at stake. Remember that it was God's Word which got Jeremiah into trouble in the first place. Francis Schaeffer points out that the reason he suffers so much is because he isn't saying everything is going to turn out well. He isn't saying there is an easy solution. All we need is a little more technical advance to make the grade. He is cutting down their humanistic optimism, saying that they are under the judgment of God and thereby weakening the people, undercutting their morale. But of course, it is not true. Jeremiah is wanting their real welfare. He is saying you must be healed of the real disease, which is your revolt against God and not merely of some superficial external wound. And then Schaefer concludes that Jeremiah was in the dungeon as a result of his faithful preaching of God's judgment to a post-Christian world. You see, most people do not like to hear that God is angry with them for their sins. This is one of the great differences between traitors like Zedekiah and patriots like Jeremiah. Zedekiah refused to listen to God's word. Jeremiah refused to water it down. There was ever a time for him to change his message or to fudge on his prophecy. It was when the king called him in to see what the Lord had to say. If Jeremiah pleased Zedekiah, there was a chance of getting out of the slammer alive. And yet, if he displeased Zedekiah, back to the dungeon he would go. And yet, when Zedekiah asks if there is a word from the Lord, Jeremiah gives it to him straight in verse 17. Yes, you will be handed over to the king of Babylon. He does not change his message. And this is the mark of a spiritual patriot, a man who speaks the word of God to his king and to his country, no matter what the cost. The traitors are all people-pleasers. They only tell people what they want to hear. And yet God calls all of his patriots to be true to His Word. He calls them to speak faithfully and truly about the law and about sin and about the consequences of sin. That is not always easy to do. Francis Schaeffer, again, who took a keen personal interest in the sufferings of Jeremiah, stated that if one really preaches the Word of God to a post-Christian world, he must understand that he is likely to end up like Jeremiah. Jeremiah. That was certainly true in the case of the Lord Jesus Christ. He ended up in an even worse condition than Jeremiah because he refused to betray the Word of God when he was put on trial. He was accused of blasphemy and of treachery. And in the end, he gave up his own life, not for his own sins, but for the sins of the world. And then there is one more thing to say about God's patriots, and that is that they will be saved in the end. It's a curious thing. Although Jeremiah did not betray the Word of God, he did beg Zedekiah for mercy. He argued that he was under false imprisonment. He appealed for a pardon. As we read in verse 18, he said to King Zedekiah, "'What crime have I committed against you that you have put me in prison? "'Where are your prophets?' who prophesied to you, the king of Babylon will not attack you or this land. Now, my lord, the king, please listen, let me bring my petition before you. Do not send me back to the house of Jonathan the secretary, or I will die there. Like any other human being, Jeremiah did not want to die. So he tried to prove to Zedekiah his innocence and his truthfulness. He points out that all of his enemies have proven to be false. Where are all the prophets who used to be around here prophesying that the Babylonians would never attack? Well, it was a good question. Actually, most of those prophets were themselves in Babylon, having been carried off into exile. Jeremiah has been vindicated, and all of them have proven to be false. Well, I suppose deep down, Zedekiah must have known that Jeremiah was telling the truth. For he gave orders for Jeremiah to be placed in the courtyard of the guard and given bread from the street of the bakers each day until all the bread in the city was gone. It is something of a mystery why Zedekiah granted Jeremiah's petition. Moving Jeremiah from the dungeon to the stockade was the right thing to do. But it does Zedekiah a little credit. One act of kindness hardly makes up for all the times that he has ignored and abused God's prophet. But the point is that God has not abandoned Jeremiah. He has not deserted him. In God's eyes, Jeremiah is a patriot. He is no traitor, and so God cares for every one of his daily needs. Until the fall of the city, Jeremiah will have a ration of daily bread baked fresh each day and delivered to his doorstep. Do not overlook the importance of daily bread. We depend upon it every day. The Lord Jesus tells his disciples to ask God for their bread every day. And so every time we sit down to a meal, we should praise God for our food with genuine thanksgiving. John Calvin observes that Jeremiah's daily bread teaches us that God often so provides for his servants that he appears to have forsaken them, and yet he then especially takes care of them and supplies them with what is needful for their support. Of course, the same thing was true of the Lord Jesus Christ. Like Jeremiah, he appealed for deliverance. may remember that although the Lord Jesus Christ was willing to suffer and to die at the very end of his crucifixion, he appealed to his Father and said, Into thy hands I commit my spirit. And that was as much to pray for his deliverance, not his deliverance from death, but his deliverance after death into the life of resurrection. And like Jeremiah, who was a true patriot and was Delivered in the end, so Jesus Christ was delivered from death into everlasting life. You know, the lives of Zedekiah and Jeremiah show that the biggest difference between traitors and patriots is what happens to them in the end. It's interesting to realize that Benedict Arnold came to a bad end. There is an historical marker in the city of London at his residence. And curiously, the sign identifies him as an American patriot. Well, perhaps that is because the British know our history about as well as we know theirs. Or perhaps it reflects the fact that Benedict Arnold was never accepted in Britain. The British army gave him less than a third of the reward that they had promised. Benedict Arnold was spurned by high society in London At the end of his life, he was in debt, he was distrusted, and he was deeply discouraged. He died forsaken by the Americans and forgotten by the British. You see, traitors always come to a bad end. King Zedekiah fared even worse than Benedict Arnold. He was defeated in battle, and then, as Jeremiah promised, he was handed over to the king of Babylon. Jeremiah did not no, or did not mention was that Zedekiah would witness the slaughter of his own sons and then the gouging out of his own eyes. He lost his kingdom, he lost his children, and he lost his eyesight. You see, traitors to the Lord's cause have no one to save them in the day of trouble. And at the day of judgment, many traitors will appeal to the Lord Jesus Christ and they will say, Lord, Lord, as if they considered themselves to be patriots, and yet Jesus will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. It will be much better on that day to be known as a patriot in the Lord's army. For all God's patriots will be saved in the end. although they may be abused by men, they will be vindicated by God. The same way that Jeremiah was vindicated, in the same way that the Lord Jesus Christ was vindicated. If you are a true patriot to God, you will be delivered in the end. Let's pray together. Our Father in heaven, we thank you for warning us clearly of the consequences of our actions, for warning us of the necessity of studying and obeying your word and of being men and women of prayer and of being faithful to your word. We pray that we might be found faithful in the day of judgment. We know how faithless we are prone to be, so we ask for the forgiveness of our treachery in the name of Jesus Christ, and we ask for the help of your Holy Spirit to keep us true. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.
0: You have been listening to Every Last Word, a ministry of the Alliance of Confessing Evangelicals, featuring the Bible teaching of Dr. Philip Graham Ryken. We appreciate your ongoing support of this broadcast ministry. The Alliance of Confessing Evangelicals exists to promote a biblical understanding and worldview. Drawing upon the insight and wisdom of Reformation theologians from decades, even centuries gone by, we seek to provide contemporary Christian teaching, that will equip believers to understand and meet the challenges and opportunities of our time and place. The Alliance also produces the radio broadcasts The Bible Study Hour, featuring the teaching of the late Dr. James Montgomery Boyce, and Dr. Barnhouse in the Bible, featuring the Bible teaching of the late Dr. Donald Gray Barnhouse. For a full list of radio stations carrying our programs, please visit our website at www.alliancenet.org. Every last word continues through your generous gifts and financial support. If you would like to see this program continue to benefit others as it has benefited you, please prayerfully consider becoming a friend of the Alliance. For more information or to make a contribution, please contact us by calling toll-free 1-800-488-1888. You can also send us a gift by writing to Alliance of Confessing Evangelicals, box 2000 philadelphia pa 19103 or you can visit us online at www.alliancenet.org be sure to ask for a free resource catalog featuring books audio teachings commentaries booklets videos and a wealth of other materials from outstanding reformed teachers and theologians thank you again for your continued support and for listening to every last word